Amen. Thank you, Pastor Emily. And thank you, Dilshan, for leading us in worship this morning. It's great to be with you on this first Sunday in August. Looking forward to sharing in communion with you in about a half an hour. We're going to break bread and I was going to say drink wine together, but we're not actually going to drink wine. We have juice. But uh, looking forward to, to just remembering who Jesus is, what he's done in our lives through communion in just a little bit. I always love communion Sundays. Last week, Pastor Rod reminded you that you are God's workmanship and that God was intricately, intentionally involved in your creation. And we've been reminding you of that again and again and again in this series, Being You, and uh, discovering your shape. And so last week, it was all about heart. And Pastor Rod reminded you that you need to protect your heart For out of it, it is the wellspring of your life. And he did a great job communicating. And one of the verses he used was Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, which says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Isn't that a great verse? We are God's workmanship. Just right there. That's special. That is a profound statement. God doesn't make mistakes. He is without error. He is absolutely immutable, or shall I say unchanging, in the way in which he goes about doing things. And when he made you, he had a perfect intent for a purpose to be fulfilled within your lifetime. And we're working towards the understanding of his workmanship through the filter of the acrostic shape or shaped. God has shaped you to fulfill a purpose in this life. So you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So there is this thing that happens in you and I when we give our life to Jesus Christ. We learned this through understanding our spiritual gifts a couple of weeks ago. We learned that something happens in us. There is, there is this redemption, if I might say, that takes place. Something that was broken, something that was less than, something that was wounded, something that was hurt, something that was, uh, to use some of the words or the verbiage that, that our Pastor Rod used, he used words like, like waylaid or, or, or where we were something sort of uh, lost and our heart can sometimes be broken and we can be lost and What God wants to do through Jesus Christ is redeem us or bring us back to his creative intent. And that's what happens when you give your life to Jesus. Again, it's not just a ticket to heaven. It is a life to be redeemed here on earth. And so this is what takes place. It says created in Christ Jesus for what? To do good works. So there's an industriousness that, is, that comes into our life. Jesus Christ doesn't just save us to glorify us in heaven. He saves us into an industriousness, into a productivity, into a purposefulness. This is what God does when he saves us. Everything moves from random, apparently random, into consequential, intentional, purposeful, Design. This is what happens when we give our life over to Jesus Christ. 
So God has prepared us in advance as to what it is that we would do with our life. And so we've been learning what the Bible has to say, that we were formed, we were shaped, that we were created uniquely by God for a purpose. And he put us on this earth for a reason. You're not here by accident. You are the workmanship of God. And how do you know what God's purpose is for your life? Well, you look at your shape. We're giving you filters to actually discover the will of God for your life. How has God made you? How has he formed you? That's an indication of what he wants you to do with your life. Your design determines your destiny. The Bible says that you were formed, you were shaped, you were created. So we're looking at six elements. I added the D onto the end of the word shaped, and the D stands for destiny. God has shaped us to fulfill a destiny. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, This is what it says. It says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But the same spirit who gives them. There are different ways of serving, but the same Lord is served. There are different abilities to perform service. But God gives ability to everyone for their service. So there is a service that we are to render into the world, into Christ church and into the world. We are to render a service, but God has given us the ability, which is the A in the word shape. And we're going to talk about your abilities. And we are to render that service in honor of God's creative intent. Three words, gifts, ways, and abilities are all mentioned in this verse. And it all speaks to the creative intention of God. I want you to take a look at a little video here. We were at pastor, our pastor, our, our worship pastor, Darius's wedding yesterday. And uh, he married Hina. Hina's going to start attending here on the 27th of, of August. You're going to be getting to know her. She's an amazing woman. And our pastor, Darius, um, Uh, He's an amazing guy, and we were just so happy to be with him as the wedding took place yesterday, and uh, I I loved it. It was just a wonderful, wonderful act of love, the ceremony that took place. But we had a little fun there, too, and I want you to get a little idea as to some of the creative intent that God had in mind when he built these four characters. Check these guys out. That's our family ministries team, guys. I love every single one of them, and they're all uniquely built with a whole wonderful set of gifts. And I saw that video yesterday, and I thought, I gotta show it on Sunday morning because what a team. What a team. So Pastor Rod is our youth pastor, and of course, Thivia is our children's coordinator. And of course, we have Pastor Sam, who is our young adults pastor. They make up our family ministries team. They're, all three of them are different. And then you saw Pastor Emily in there, who is our church ministries director, who oversees them. And she brings a whole wonderful set of gifts into leading our family ministries team. And so we're just so grateful and so thankful for this team that God has given us. And there's so much flavor and diversity in the team that God has put together here at the bridge, both staff 
and volunteers, and I'm so grateful and so thankful. So today I want us to look at this third difference, if I might say, or this, this third characteristic that differentiates us even from each other because we all have different combinations of abilities. And we're to perform service with these abilities that God has given us. So we're all different. We're all different in our abilities. And that's obvious that people are different. None of us are alike. Physically, we're all shaped differently. We're all different. Intellectually, we're all shaped differently. Emotionally, we're all shaped differently. Socially, we're all shaped differently. I had a conversation with Pastor Darius yesterday. He stopped by my place just for half an hour before he was getting ready for the wedding, and we were just chatting it up. And he was asking me about the fire department that I, that I volunteer for. And I do the chaplaincy service for the Markham Fire Department. And I get called upon to, to show up in the most dire and sometimes the most tragic of circumstances. People jump out windows. I'm to be there for that family who have somehow suffered a suicide of a family member. There are car crashes, there are trains that run through cars, there are just a whole host of, of, of hurts and accidents and traumas that I find myself in the middle of on behalf of God, on behalf of the person who is affected, and even on behalf of the staff who are the fire department. And we were talking about that, and, and one of the things that we differentiated, even between Darius and I, was, was my ability to be in that moment and not overwhelmed. Now, that's an ability, to be in that moment, no matter how tragic, no matter, no matter how, how shall I say, shocking to the system, God has built me with an ability to be present for that person, for that situation, and to guide Everyone, whether it's even the police department, it's the fire department. Sometimes I have advocated on behalf of a victim and I've told police officers, please, please go back to your cruiser and I need moments with this person. And so what I'm given is this ability and this authority to actually bring compassion and, 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 and a, a reasoned and an approach where next steps are considered. And Darius was saying, in differentiating, he said, no, man, I couldn't do that. I couldn't, I, I just see someone who got a bloody nose and I start fainting. Like I just, I, I'm, I'm done, I'm gone. A bloody nose for me, it's like, I just, literally, he said he physically faints. And I just smiled and I thought, a bloody nose, hmm, interesting, you know? But, 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 but that's true, there's the fight, flight, frights, whole thing that goes on, the freeze mo moment. And for me, it's like, okay, I gotta get involved. I gotta be in the middle of this. I gotta, I gotta be there for someone. But that's an ability. That's an ability, by the way, that has been shaped by God. That is an ability that, I didn't just come to that. I've been through trauma from a little guy. Just different things in my life, all through my life where trauma was presented, and I developed this ability to somehow, it's a resiliency, to be in the midst of the trauma without, without running, or, or without absenting myself, or, or without hiding, but rather to be there and to face reality and to, but that is something, that's not something that 
that I glory in for myself. I'm surrendered to what God has done in my life, and I put that to service on behalf of this community. And so that's, it's amazing how God put that together. And there's a differentiation. And this is what needs to take place when we are talking about abilities. There's so many different abilities. And we come to these abilities through circuitous and divergent paths. And there's a, God, is, God is working in us. We're going to do E for experiences, the second last message in this series and you're, you're going to find how God uses your life experiences to create in you a heart, to create in you and in, enable that spiritual gift to create in you and to, to absolutely enable you in your abilities. This is a beautiful thing how God pulls this whole thing together, and he's behind it. He's behind it. He's designing it. This reminds me of the story I read about animals who decided to start a school. The courses included running, climbing, and swimming, oh, and flying. And they decided that every animal should take all the courses. That's where the problem started. The duck was better than his teacher in swimming, but he made only passing grades in flying, and he was very poor in running. So they made him drop out of swimming and stay after school to practice running. This caused his web feet to be badly worn, so his grade dropped to average in swimming. But everybody felt less threatened and more comfortable with that, except the duck. The rabbit started at the top of the class in running. But because of so much makeup work in swimming, he caught pneumonia and he dropped out of school. The squirrel showed outstanding ability in climbing, but he was extremely frustrated in flying class because the teacher insisted that he start from the ground up rather than from the treetop down. He developed a charley horse from overexertion, and so he got a C in climbing and a D in running. The eagle was a problem student and was disciplined for being a nonconformist. For instance, in climbing class, he would beat everyone to the top of the tree. He would just use his natural-born ability. Shame on him. But he insisted on using it, this to get there. Finally, because he refused to participate in swimming classes, the eagle was expelled from the school. The point is, God has designed every creature with certain abilities to excel in certain areas. In those areas in which you are not gifted or able, you're not going to excel. When you force somebody into a mold where they're not able or gifted to have an ability, you cause guilt and frustration, and you also bring about mediocrity and failure. A duck is meant to be a duck because it's shaped to swim. You are meant to be who you are and nothing else. So let me share with you some facts about your abilities. Just some facts to consider. Number one, every ability is given by God. Romans 12, 6 says, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. We used to say around here, and we still do sometimes, everyone's a 10 at something. Everyone is a 10 at something. 
I don't think we as Christians emphasize natural abilities enough. I think we overemphasize spiritual gifts to the detriment of natural abilities. Some people imply that spiritual gifts are more important than natural abilities, and that is not a biblical concept. I can be as committed and sorry, I can be as committed as I can be, but I'm never going to sing like the wonderful singers that we have here at the bridge. You, you have an ability. The, those who are instrumentalists have an ability. Those who are singers have an ability. It's not an ability that I'm a 10 at. It's not an ability that you would want to put me up here and, 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 and the bridge become known as, as the singing quality of a Brian Childs. We don't want to do that to you, and we don't want to do that to the community. So God has gifted us. God has placed intentionally into our midst people with melodic abilities, people with, with song, people with voices and with fervor when it comes to worship. And the Bible says that God has given us all different abilities, and it's all important. And God gives the ability to do carpentry, just as he gives the ability for someone to preach. They are both God-given abilities and need to be honored. They need to be honored. If you were to do an exhaustive study of the list of specific abilities that God gives, you would develop an appreciation for how creative and intentional God is. Here's just a few. A few abilities to consider. There's athletic ability. There's creative and artistic ability. There is architectural ability. There is administration ability. There's baking ability. There's barbering. There's boat making, candy making, debating, designing, embalming, embroidering, engraving, farming, fishing, gardening, leading, managing, masonry, molding, musical abilities, making weapons, needlework, Painting, planting, poetic ability, philosophizing, a machinist, inventing, carpentry, sailing, selling, being a soldier, tailoring, teaching, tent making, writing literature. The Bible speaks to all of those abilities that I have just mentioned. Those are just a few. And God says, I have given them to the world and I give them to my people. Every ability is given by God. Number two, every ability can be used for God's glory. If God gives it, it can be used for God's glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Researchers have said that the average person has between 500 and 700 abilities. And many of these you don't even know about. Each of those can be used for the glory of God. You can repair a car to the glory of God. You can balance financial books to the glory of God. You can make a meal to the glory of God. You can manage an office to the glory of God. You can, you can make a sale for the glory of God. You can catch a football for the glory of God. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. The whole issue of our career path and our remuneration within the career path, the, the money that we receive is a God-given ability for us to even create an economy, a private, personal economy. We have money coming into our lives. And God gives us the ability to have that money coming into our lives. 
and we build our lives using a currency called money. God gives us that ability, and he wants us to honor him with that ability. Number three, my abilities show God's plan for my life. In other words, what I'm able to do is what God wants me to do. When it comes to planning your career, how do you do the right thing? With all the options, how do you know what to do? The government, I don't know if you know, but produces a a DOT catalog, a dictionary of occupational terms, and there are thousands of terms in that dictionary. It lists all the different options that are available for jobs. You look at it, and it's a little confusing. What in the world does God want me to do? But Hebrews 13, 21 exhorts us. It says, God will equip you with all you need for doing his will. He doesn't ask you to do something that he hasn't equipped you to do. God did not randomly access a bunch of abilities and pile them on you. It's not by accident that you have the abilities that you've got. He specifically chose those abilities. We have within our staff here at the bridge what I call the 70-30 principle. What's the 70-30 principle? Well, the 70-30 principle is that 70% of the time, We are going to build your job description or your job path here at the bridge. 70% of the time, you are going to be fulfilled, you are going to be fruitful, and you're going to have some fun. 30% of the time, you're probably going to have to do something that isn't your favorite thing to do. About 30% of the time, you're going to have to do something that maybe isn't your favorite thing to do, but it kind of comes with the territory of being a servant here at the bridge. So we have the 70-30 principle. And what I strive towards in working with staff is having the right person in the right place at the right time with the right set of gifts and the right heart. And so sometimes you hire someone and you think to yourself in the hiring process because sometimes hiring processes are so linear. And all you're seeing is what is most in front of you, but behind that person is a whole host of experiences that you don't even know about. You try to know about it. When you're hiring somebody, you try to know everything you possibly can about that person. And if you do due diligence, you look at at their resume, you look at their background, you have some chats with their references, you can find out a good deal about a person. But here's what I want you to know. Every single person I have ever hired here at the bridge has surprised me. Every single person that I have hired has surprised me. And I'm hiring them for a round hole, and there's sometimes square edges to them and their abilities. And so I have a choice to make as a leader here at the bridge when it comes to stewarding over people's lives. I can force them into that round hole, or I can flex with them and watch what God does with who he has really created them to be. So we give it our best effort. But when I hire a children's pastor, I gotta tell you, all of the children's pastors that we've ever had have always done more than children's ministry. They've always contributed more. They bring these, what I call, intangibles. Every staff member, a youth pastor, look at Rod, up here last week, what was he doing? He was preaching, and pastoring you. What is he hired for? He's hired to preach and pastor and come alongside the youth, but he he was up here. All of our pastors 
go above and beyond what is actually listed in their job description. Why is that? Because we see in them abilities. I see in Rod a preaching ability that will be fanned into flame, to use a a Pauline phrase. He used that when he mentored Timothy. That will be fanned into flame, and and, and Rod will become a phenomenal preacher as he fulfills his youth ministry agenda here at the bridge. It may not always be youth ministry, but right now it is. Our youth pastor used to be Sam, but now Sam is the young adult pastor. Sam is the ultimate, the most beautiful pastor you're ever going to meet. This guy, if there was ever a shepherd mantle that anyone carried, Pastor Sam carries the shepherd mantle. He has wisdom, and he brings care, and his insight. I mean, he stands heads, head, head above everybody, and he's sort of, have you ever watched him? He's like watching everything going down, you know? And then he just speaks a word into someone's life, just at the right moment, at the right time. This guy has an encouraging gift. He has an ability to come alongside. So what I'm sharing with you in, in sort of exposing our staff is that, is that God gives us all these wonderful abilities and we have to be careful to create an environment where the abilities can be fanned into flame. Right? There's a book called C-Zone that says every one of us are operating at any point in the day in one of three performance zones. It determines how you feel. The first zone is what the author calls the panic zone. The panic zone is when your abilities don't match up to the task that you have. You're you're in over your head and you know it. You're treading water and you're going under, what am I doing in this job? How did I get this task? I can't do it. You're in over your head and you're feeling stressed out. That's what he calls the panic zone. If I were to ask you, to preach through our fall series, our fall launch, and into the Christmas series, which we're planning right now, some of you, that would propel you into the panic zone. Sometimes it propels me into that zone. On the other hand, of the continuum, he has what he calls the drone zone. The drone zone is where the task is so easy, so predictable, it doesn't even, or sorry, it doesn't use your talent and or ability that you're bored out of your head. In fact, there's a stress in your life because, sure, you can do it, but you can do it without any what is called you stress or positive stress in the fulfillment of your job. And then in between those two zones, the panic zone and the drone zone is the C zone. Confidence, commitment, and control. In the C zone is where your abilities match the tasks that you have. You feel challenged by what you're doing, but you're not stressed out by it because you are, you are in control. You know that you're capable, and you know that you're bringing a level of competence to the challenge that is before you. You can handle the situation. That is the C zone. When I leave the staff, I'm in the C zone. When I'm with the fire department and in the middle of an emergency, I'm in the C zone. But there are other areas you don't want to allow me to be there. I'm just not in a, it's not who I am. It's not what I'm good at. There was a moment here where we, in our giving, everybody 
you know, a month off uh, on our team um, over the last little bit, a little sabbatical experience for each of our staff members, there was a moment where Jeff was away. There was a moment where Emily was away. There was a moment where Cynthia was away. That left me as far as the executive team. That's a dangerous thing to do. Because the other three people are absolutely instrumental and complementary. I'm a leader, but I'm a macro leader. I'm not a micro leader. If you let me descend into the micromanagement of the bridge, oh, I feel sorry for you. No, no, I really do. I feel bad for you. When, when I get into a place where I'm having to micromanage ministries, and I can bring vision, I can bring even principal direction, but... You know, if you are working through the economy of potato chips and whether you should offer full bags or small bags or all the budgeting processes and so on and so forth, you should just see my eyes gloss over, right? I become that, I'm in the drone zone when that happens. So you see how we're, we're all built differently. And, and it makes the other people around us absolutely essential. So really quickly, what I want to do with the time that I have left is I just want to work through with you how it is that we, we defrost our frozen assets. The so number one, four steps to just get your abilities into, into work zone. Here's how to do it. Number one, estimate them. So evaluate yourself. Assess your abilities. What in the world am I good at? Do, do an evaluation. Do an estimate. There's a fantastic um, profiling tool uh, that, that we use here at the bridge is called Strength Finders. And we have all of our staff. Right now we're in the process of hiring a, an assistant children's ministry person, and she is involved in filling out the Strength Finders uh, profiling tool. And so we'll know what her strengths are. We'll know what her abilities are. And so all of our staff for the last 20 years have been filling out Strength Finder uh, profiling tools. And so that's just one of them. We also have motivators is another profiling tool. Uh, we do the DIST study. We do a whole number of studies where we learn who we are. And, and you, can, you can estimate who you are on the basis of using some of these tools. The second thing we do with our assets or with our abilities is we dedicate them to God. We sang a song today about surrendering. I love that song because I just found myself quietly surrendering to God both my, my gifts and abilities, but also my limitations. And so I, I found myself just dedicating them to God. Romans 12.1 says, Offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. The third thing you can do is cultivate them. You can cultivate your abilities. Do yourself a favor and learn all you can. I may be up here preaching, but I got to be honest with you, I've done a lot of study on what it means to be a preacher and to bring a good word. So we all need to cultivate what, what we may even be gifted or have an ability and we need to cultivate it. Proverbs 19.8 says, do yourself a favor and learn all you can, then remember what you've learned and you will prosper. Okay, then there's the fourth thing that we're to do is to liberate our abilities. Use them, set them free, don't hide them. Don't keep them under a bushel, as the Bible would say. Use your abilities that God has given you. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, God has given each of you some abilities. Be sure to use them 
to help each other. Remember, workmanship of God in our lives, enlivened by our relationship with Jesus Christ, for what? For good works. There's implications related to this in your marriage. Obviously, we come into marriage with different abilities. And as a couple, we enhance each other's strengths and we compensate for each other's weaknesses. There's implications for the family. As a parent, I think one of your primary goals for your children is to help them identify and develop who God has created them to be. Put them in challenging situations where they learn about themselves, where they learn about their abilities. I remember I used to sit with my son Jeremy, who was a phenomenal piano player. And I, I, I'm sort of a jock-type guy. And music wasn't my first passion. And I remember for my youngest son, or for Jeremy, I remember for him, that was his passion. And, and for him, for him, I would sit in a chair and I would listen to him play piano. And then at the end of it, I would just affirm him. And I would say, you are an amazing piano player. And that, that was just something, and he was totally different than, than David. Jeremy was my other son. He was very different than him. So we need to make an investment in our kids on the basis of who they are, what, what God-given abilities they have, and we need to affirm them. And then, of course, there's implications for ministry. The Bible says that if you're a believer, God expects you to use your abilities to honor God in the midst of his church. So what we're going to do, I'm going to pray, and we're going to prepare ourselves for communion. And this is, this is a surrender moment. In our appreciation for all that Jesus has done in our lives, we're just going to take a moment and reflect. And we're going to ask ourselves the question, am I honoring God's creative intent? Am I bringing it as it would relate to my abilities? Combine that with the message that you heard last week and ask yourself, is there something going on in my heart that is hindering me from becoming all that I can be? Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you and we prepare for this sacred moment. We acknowledge that through you, Jesus, we come alive. We're healed. We're enlivened. We're enlightened. You cause us to become so full in the expression of your Father's creative intent. You redeem us. You set us on a whole new level. And you make life rich, Jesus. You make life rich. You bring about fulfillment. You bring about fruitfulness. And you even bring about a measure of fun in the midst of it all. A thrill. The adventure called life. You are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life, Jesus. And we thank you. We thank you for causing us to become our best selves. Be with us 
as we share in communion together, I pray. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, amen.